Oh, good morning. Thanks for being here with us. Like Pastor Roland said, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. Really excited that you joined us. Thank you very much. And we are concluding our series called X Marks the Spot. Now, we are not exactly on a treasure hunt. What we've been doing in this series is defining discipleship so that we can discover purpose. Don't worry about this, by the way. We'll get to that later. But um, discipleship, and specifically the way that we make disciples here as an Every Nation church family in Vegas, and also as an Every Nation family around the world, starts when we, first E, engage. Starts when we, forget. No, it starts when we engage people, uh, individuals, families, community, on behalf of Christ with the gospel of Jesus. And then after we engage people and after we uh, walk with them to the place where they decide to follow Jesus, the next E is we establish. Thank you. Thank you. We're getting there. We establish people in the faith, which means basic doctrine, in the word, which refers to a habit of being in the Bible and being in prayer, and in community. And here as a church, we often walk out and primarily walk out our community through life groups first. And if you're looking for that life groups, say hi to one of our lovely life group leaders. They'd love to help you get connected. Now, shortly after we start establishing people in the Word, we then want to begin. Yes, we're getting there. I see you were equipped with that E. We equip people to make a difference and equip people to, for basic ministry, essentially. And today we're going to talk about that final E as we conclude this series. We want to empower every disciple of Christ, to make a difference. And that's because every member is a minister. Now, that's the phrase that we're kind of going to unpack today and go back to again and again. Every member is a minister. Or there are things in the body of Christ that everyone can do as long as you have faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, but before we talk about that, I do want to brag a little bit about my family because there is someone in my family who is making me very, very proud. And I have a microphone and I get to do this. Uh, because there's something that I don't know if it's a, an idea in society that this, this thing only belongs to a select few, even an elite few. But my wife, Jerrica, is proving that idea wrong. Jerrica is proving that everyone can play fantasy football. It's my wife. Yeah, I did that. The Lord was right. So this all started when Jerrica was talking with people on the leadership team at work. She works with the U.S. Vets um, organization here in Las Vegas. They house homeless veterans. And one of the people on that leadership team engaged everyone in the workplace on the idea of doing a work-based fantasy football league. There's no money attached to it. It's all for fun and games and bragging rights. But, you know, the Lord knows uh, he made me with this desire for bragging rights. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe it's sinful. I'm not sure. Pray for me. I'm unpacking this. So Jerrica decides, hey, I'm going to play fantasy football and I'm going to get my husband to help me. And now it's my job to establish her with basic fantasy football knowledge. So this includes things like what is a draft? What is streaming? What is opportunity cost? Why don't we pick a quarterback in the first round? Because you're giving up on something else that has more positional scarcity. Establishing her in basic fantasy football knowledge and then equipping her with my personal rankings. But the thing about this rankings and all this knowledge is that the draft was set up to happen while I wasn't home. Because I had life group and life group's important. And so uh, although we're having fun together, eventually we had to get through mock drafts and have some intense conversation about the way that I was leading her and placing too much expectation on her. 
I then went off to Life Group and empowered her to draft her team by herself. Now, if you're, familiar, if you're not familiar with fantasy football, uh, the draft is when you select your players for the year. And while you can change them, it's going to be the core. It's going to be the foundation. So the draft is one of the most important days of the fantasy football calendar. I say one of because if you make the championship, Used to, just doing, we're used to it, some of us. Um, if you're used to that, that's obviously more important. But anyway, Jerrica was empowered to draft her team by herself. And it went pretty darn well. Now I think, uh, those of you who play fantasy football, would you give this team a thumb up, thumbs up? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty solid. It is eight team, only eight teams. So less people in the league, the player concentration is greater, but anyway, solid, Solid draft, very, very good. And in week one, she beat the guy that started the league. My wife is killing it. Everyone can play fantasy football. And every member can minister. Everyone can help make disciples as long as you're a follower of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about the things that everyone can do because every member is a minister. Let's pray. God, we thank you because you didn't have to include us in your plan to restore creation and restore people to you and find all of their worth and purpose to you, you could have done it without us. And yet you chose to include us so that we could experience purpose and so that we could get involved and so that in eternity future, we could look back and say, I helped. I had a role to play. So Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit to be empowered and to learn how we're empowered and to take our place in your plan today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start with talking about making disciples and talking about the Great Commission. Because Jesus' last words should be one of our very first priorities as Christians. The last words of Christ should be among our first priorities because the Great Commission is a call from Christ to every Christian. Now if you're a member of this church, you know that we quote the Great Commission quite often. Great Commission, of course, is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. We'll do verses 19 and 20 today. But if it's your first time hearing this and you're unfamiliar, or if you've heard it a thousand times, I'd like us to do something new today and potentially hear something new. So as we read this passage this morning, try to imagine with me what it looked like. What did Jesus sound like? What tone was he using? Where was he? And most importantly, for the sake of our message, who was he with? Think about that. Starting in verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's Jesus look like in your mind? What does he sound like? What kind of passion is he speaking with? The authority, the joy. The loving goodbye that he gives to his friends saying, I'll be gone for a little while, but I'll see you again soon. And the next time I see you, we'll be together forever. What kind of faith does that stir up in your hearts? What kind of passion to make disciples? But see, I realized that when I studied for this sermon that I was imagining something wrong this entire time. Because I imagined the 11 disciples. There's 11 because Judas isn't quite there anymore. So 11 and the Bible tells us earlier in Matthew 28 that they're out on a mountain. So I'm picturing Jesus with the 11 on a mountain. And I'm wrong about something because there was more than 11 people there. 
Let's read an account of the gospel events in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the Apostle Paul recounting what happened around the resurrection and ascension of Christ to the Corinthian church. He says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Now, when on earth did that happen? Because I've read the Gospels, and I'm sure a lot of you have read the Gospels, and at no point do I recall hearing Jesus appearing to 500 plus people at once after the resurrection. I remember the feeding of the 5,000 men and 4,000 men, but when did Jesus show up in front of 500 after rising from the dead? Well, we might not know exactly, explicitly, but we can put the pieces together. Uh, first of all, we know that there is a lot of people, 500 is a lot, and that kind of crowd size required them to be outdoors, like on a mountain where Jesus was ascending. And we also know that based in Matthew, before Jesus gave the Great Commission, very oddly, Matthew finds it fit to mention that some of the people present doubted what they were seeing. Now, if we think about that, we know it's not the 11 disciples. Because Jesus had already walked through a wall and appeared to them in private, and he dealt with their doubts. They stopped doubting. They were convinced. Thomas, doubting Thomas, as his nickname goes, he got to put his fingers in Jesus' scars. So it's not the 11 who were doubting. Other people present were doubting. Thankfully, the majority of us here are not doubting. But what does that mean? It means that the 500 people who Jesus appeared to after the resurrection, they watched him ascend into heaven. So everyone that believed in and followed Jesus at this time was present when Jesus gave the Great Commission. The Great Commission is a call from Christ to every Christian. It's for everyone, not just the apostles, not just the pastors, not just the small group leaders or the worship leaders. The Great Commission is for every single believer. And God qualifies us to do this. God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Now we know this because in Acts, Peter and John, who are leading the church at this point, look, it, it takes very careful to note that they are unschooled and ordinary men. The Apostle Paul is schooled and unordinary. However, he has quite the history of persecuting God's people. One of the disciples that Jesus chose was Matthew, the tax collector. Shout out to Matthew, best disciple for obvious reasons. Matthew, the tax collector, very likely stole from his own people. And there was Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot wanted to overthrow the Roman government and employees of the Roman government like Matthew. They had to walk together, work together. If Jesus could use those people, then he can use us. Jesus can use us with all of our past. He can use us with all of our pain. In fact, he can use our past and use our pain. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. God comforts us in our affliction so that we can use the things that afflict us to comfort other people. God can use us. Because every member is a minister. And because every member is a minister, every disciple can help make disciples. I love the scripture Pastor Roland used last week, so let's go back there briefly. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, 
the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, in the Bible, the word saint was used to describe every Christian, not just the Hall of Fame Christians, not just the ones who perform miracles and walk on water, all of them, which is all of us. So if you're saved, then you're a saint. Pat yourself on the back. Great job. Well, I, I guess Jesus didn't. We can't pat him on the back. So pat yourself on the back. You are a saint, and every saint is called to minister. But what does it mean to minister? I think a lot of times in our culture, we assign a lot of unnecessary weight to the word minister and make it unattainable. And that's not what God intended. Because in our culture, we tend to use the word minister to describe a professional Christian, like Pastor Roland Gray. Professional in every way, qualified in every way. However, we think of a minister as somebody who works for the church, is paid for the church, and does churchy things. The word minister in our culture and in our time is primarily a noun. But that's not the way the word minister is used in the Bible. In the Bible, which is what matters, the word minister is primarily a verb. It's an action word. And in fact, it's an action word that describes activities like waiting on tables. Activities that anyone can do and everyone should do as a member of the body of Christ. So when the word minister then is used in the Bible to describe a person, it's describing anyone who takes place in any service in the body of Christ. Which means that according to Jesus and the word and the way the church is designed, every minister, every member is a minister. Everyone is called to serve. Everyone is called to take their place in the circle of life. Wait. In the church of God. Take their place in the body of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean everyone has to do everything at all times. Seasons still exist. Seasons of ministry still exist. Time for growth still exists. I remember one time I, um, I had been preaching at one of our sending churches, Pearlside Churches, uh, campuses. And I was there with Pastor Coach Alfredo, for those of you who know him. So I'm preaching, and Pastor Coach walks up to me, and he's like, hey, Matt, come on, champ, you got to meet this guy. I'm like, oh, okay, Coach, let's, let's go. So I go with Coach, and I follow him like a spiritual father to me, so I'm going to listen to him when he comes up to me, especially all excited like that. And um, we meet this guy, and he's about the same age as me. He's wearing a black jacket, and he's crossing his arms in the front row. I'm like, okay, cool. This guy might be, like, really excited about the Lord. I don't know. I'm going to say hello. So I say hello. I start talking to this guy, and Pastor Coach runs off. I'm like, all right, man, thanks. So we continue this conversation. I'm like, hey, man, great. It's nice to meet you. My name is Matt. He tells me his name, and as we're talking, he says, Almost right away, I want to do that. Like, do what? That. And I look where he's pointing, and he's pointing at the pulpit. I'm like, you want to you preach? Like, yeah. Like, okay, cool, man. Um, who's, whose life group are you a part of? And, and Pearl said at the time, we called them grace groups. And he said, what's a grace group? I'm new here. I'm like, oh. So we're starting from the very first time. So I start to break it down to this guy, right? Because, hey, maybe God's calling him forward and he's excited about the things of God. So I'm like, all right, man, so here's how we start. First, you need to follow God. You need to make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. You need to come to service weekly. Come check out a life group. My life group meets on Thursday. And after you decide to follow God and you're starting to read the Bible and pray, then remain faithful 
Do it, but do it consistently. Remain faithful in your, your relationship with God and then start to serve faithfully. Make disciples faithfully. Invite people to church. Do the one-to-one with somebody. Baptize somebody because as you follow God and you remain faithful, eventually your life will become fruitful. Right? Faithfulness comes before fruit is that it tells you when it's ripe. It tells you when it's ready. So after you've been faithful and the fruit of your life and your discipleship and your ministry is ripe and it shows that it's ready, then you get the opportunity to do something like preach. I had been here for years and I had been faithful for years before I ever got this opportunity. So are you ready to start this relationship with God and follow Jesus today? And he says, maybe. I'm like, okay, so here's my number. Do you want to come to my life group this week? Maybe. All right, man. Um, I'll see you next Sunday then. Uh, maybe. What, what, what's wrong with you? I never saw him again. But the message remains and the truth remains that when we follow God faithfully and remain faithful and become fruitful, that's when our role in God's kingdom grows. It's always been the case in God's kingdom. Jesus said, greatest is the one who serves as our lead pastor played the drums this morning. Private devotion always precedes public promotion. If we want our role in God's kingdom to grow, it grows one step at a time. And if you aspire to big, and I, I use quotes on purpose, big things in the kingdom of God, which really just means visible, because everything is important in the kingdom of God. But if you aspire to visible ministries, then start somewhere today. And everybody can start somewhere today. Because every member is a? Getting there. Every member is a minister. So where is somewhere that everyone can start today? First, everyone can serve. Everyone can serve. Everyone can do activities like waiting on tables. And the Bible calls us to it and beckons us into action. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. There are many things that need to get done in order for disciples to be made, in order for a service to happen. Preaching is not the only thing, and thank God for that. And it only happens on Sunday. We need Sunday and during the week. I'm thankful because my daughter can come and listen to a message at Kids Church every single week. And if you know my daughter, she is not exactly the most outgoing child. This is Allie. She's, she's very reserved and shy. And it took her a while to be willing to go to kids' church. And I'd be stressed out sitting in the front row as she's walking back and forth like, she's a pastor's kid. She's setting a bad example. But I'm not trying to parent her with the pressure of being my kid. So we let her grow into it. And eventually she'd go and she'd learn and she'd come home with coloring and and lessons and telling me about Joseph and Daniel in the lion's den. And now my little shy girl is there in the classroom by herself. And she's there every week for the most part. And her foundation for her relationship with God is being built because people are investing in the next generation. This past Friday, our youth team went out and took a bunch of our youth. What's up, guys? Shout out, youth ministry. That's them. That's them. They're actually here. 
multi-generational church. We ended up at the park. And we went there to talk about Jesus. And to have a Nerf battle. Yeah, everyone can buy and shoot a Nerf gun. Because every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. In fact, everybody do this for me. Go ahead and raise one hand in the sky. Raise your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. All right? You know what you're doing? You're saying hi. Everyone can say hello. Because every member is a minister. You know, we as a church, one of our strengths and one of our biggest values is relationship. Now, we're growing in this and we can grow in this, but it's become a strength of ours. We value relationship and our welcome ministry is the tip of the spear. They're the first people to go. It's everyone's job to greet somebody you don't know. But it's their job to go first and shake someone's hand and introduce them and help facilitating as people meet other people in the church. It's been said that someone needs seven unique connections and relationships in the church before they consider that church theirs. That's one really specific reason why it's important for us to connect with other people. The welcome ministry is the tip of the spear, and we just prove that everyone can say hi because every member is a minister. You know what else other people can do? The majority of the people in this room can drive. And the majority of the people in this room can pick something up and put it somewhere else. They can set up a table or a chair and they can break it down. And we need help driving the van to and from service and setting up before and after service. That is a ministry. You know, Romans 10, in talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, declares, how can they hear without someone preaching? Very epic. Very compelling. But it's also true about services. How can there be a service? No one sets it up. Set up and breakdown is a ministry. And if I can be honest, it's a ministry that ministers to me. If you've ever helped set something up or break something down in this church, you have helped minister. And you are a minister. Because every member is a? I love the progress. Every member is a minister. And these are not the only ways to minister. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Look at Pastor Roland. Look at my mom. <laughs> the multimedia, I got sidetracked. The multimedia is a ministry. Hospitality is a ministry. Every member is a minister. And everyone can find a place to serve. Varieties of service. Varieties of activities. All of which are important and indispensable. Everyone can find something to do because every member is a minister. One other thing that everybody can do. Everyone can pray. That's the beautiful thing about God. We don't have to go through other people to wait for them to pray for us. God says, when you, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, our Abba, our Dad in heaven. We don't have to go through somebody. Everyone can pray. And we should pray for ourselves and for others and with others. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge, say it like that, urge, urge. I urge that supplications Prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it is the pleasing of the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. According to this passage, there's this connection between praying for people and people coming to salvation. 
from verse 1, I urge that supplications be made. Verse 4, who desires all people to be saved. And we need to pray with people because when we pray with people, we connect to God and we help them connect to God. You never know that if you offer to pray with somebody, that might be the first time they've connected to God either in years or ever. That's all it takes to help people connect to God. And that idea can be praying, but I think there are general rules or ideas to keep in mind. First, pray in a way that creates faith. We can pray in a way that creates faith. Now, when we're with Christians in a Christian setting, go for it. Rev that prayer engine. Oh, Father, Lord, I pray for Gary. God, I pray that you would empower him to make disciples and reach the world. It's the world. Pray in a way that creates faith and echoes. Now, when we're with unchurched people or unbelievers or somebody who's been absent or in public, that might not create faith, might create a distraction, might create confusion. So we pray sincerely and simply. Two ingredients, sincere and simple prayers. When we pray a sincere prayer, we let them know that we care, but most importantly, that God cares. And when we pray simple prayers, it helps people see God as an approachable father and prayer as a conversation with him. And it actually, it kind of makes us approachable too. And it also helps them to see, hey, I want to try this, I can do it. Sincere and simple prayers can create faith, and God still answers them the same way. If I can share a personal story, some of you might remember that a few months ago, just about two and a half months ago now, I was in an accident, a car accident that could have taken my life, and there might be a picture of my car. But what happened here is that van ran a red light at 55 miles an hour, hit the front side of my car before the driver's side door, and totaled my car, which is the white RAV4, no longer have it in case you couldn't tell. And God protected me. And God saved my life. And after I called my wife and let her know that our car is not okay, but I am, I called Pastor Roland, I texted him, I texted Pastor Billy Lyle at Pearlside, and people just started to pray. And as Jerrica is getting ready to take me to the hospital, I got a text message um, from a woman at Pearlside Church named uh, Camille Omo. Um, she's a pastor on staff. Her name, she goes by Pastor Camille. And uh, she said, I just heard in her voice, Pastor Matt, where are you? I'm like, I I'm at home. I'm getting ready to go to the hospital. Okay, I'll meet you there. She was in Vegas. <laughs> pastor Camille was in Vegas at the very moment that I was in a car accident. Now, Pearlside was a big church, several thousand people. If something happened to your life, and you could only pick one person at Pearlside Church to pray for you, and people who know here are all agreeing, who would you pick? Bro, God's crazy. So she texts me, and she's like, okay, I'll, I'll meet you there. I'm on my way. I'll use Uber. And she gets to the hospital, and she's like, that was easy. I've never used Uber before. Pastor Camille, thank you. So she's just there hanging out with me and buying me water and snacks. 
and talking to me about the process along the way and keeping me company um, before going into ministry was she was actually a hospital administrator. And when I went away, she went to go pray for other people. And she was just there. And as she was getting ready to leave, she was like, okay, are you all good? You're almost done? Okay, I'm going to go. I have to go back. She was here for like a family thing, helping her uh, daughter-in-law. And before she left, she said, let's pray together. Now, I have seen that woman pray the heavens down. We can save some of those stories for later. But she prayed with me in the waiting room at the emergency center. And it was a very sincere and very simple prayer. And she said, God, please bless Pastor Matt. Heal him. Provide for his family. Give them favor with insurance. Even bless the other driver. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. And God has answered every single one of those prayers. Did you see that car? I could be dead. And even after that, I'm standing. I am walking. And I have no more lingering pain. God answered a sincere and simple prayer. And I'll never forget it. Anyone can pray a simple and sincere prayer because every member is a minister. One more thing that everyone can do. Everyone can share Jesus. Anybody can do it. Uh, we have a new donut shop next to my house as we change gears from God spared my life to God sent me a donut shop. And this donut shop is probably in walking distance. I'm not going to do it. Maybe somebody else will figure that out. According to Yelp, it's 0.2 miles away. So we started going there, and they were very nice, and the prices were very good, and the donuts are very good, and they even have a unique selection, like pig in a blanket. They're, they've got a hot dog with cheddar and jalapeno in a pig in a blanket. That thing is fire, and it's $1.79. So I'm excited about this place, and I have resolved to next time I'm there, I'm going to take a picture, and I'm going to write my first Yelp review in years. And they're not even offering me something. Normally when I write something, it's because I get a discount. But these guys, I'm going to write them a Yelp review because I like them, because I had a good experience. I'm not a donut expert. You might think so, but I'm not. I'm just enthused. So I'm going to share. We're going to briefly go to a passage in John 4 that shows us somebody who's not an expert, but she was just excited about meeting Jesus. So she had to share. In John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples are traveling through a region called Samaria. And as they go there, Jesus is hungry, so the disciples walk off into the city to go look for a donut shop. And Jesus is sitting all by himself at a well in the middle of the day. And as he's there, a woman passes by. Now, this is weird because normally you get water at the beginning or the end of the day. In Samaria, their climate's a desert like ours. At noon, it's hot. People in their right mind try to avoid the sun. But instead, this woman was avoiding people. And she's avoiding people she might be a little ashamed. Over the course of her ensuing conversation with Jesus, we discover 
that she had been married five times and divorced five times, and that she was now living with man number six and he wasn't her husband. But Jesus still reveals himself to her as Messiah and says to her, I am the living water. And if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. I will satisfy souls in a way that no one else can. And this woman who was hiding from people was suddenly so empowered by this truth about who Jesus really is that she went from hiding to sharing him. And we see in uh, John 4, 28, 29, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She shared Jesus. She's not a theologian. She didn't study under Gamaliel like Paul. She wasn't even one of the disciples. She shared Jesus. And she shared Jesus on the basis of her personal experience. In other words, she was a witness who shared her testimony. Some of you might remember when Tam shared her testimony. A testimony is a story of how Jesus changed our lives. And it's as simple as how our lives were before we met Jesus, how we met Jesus, and how our lives are now, and how it's changed since we've surrendered to Jesus and started to follow him. That's a testimony. Everyone can do that because every member is a minister. One more thing everyone can do. That's why this is here. I found this whiteboard in storage today. Very excited. This is called One Verse Evangelism. Can you, can you all see this? Is it legible? Okay, cool. That's on purpose, by the way. That's my handwriting. It's acceptable for the most part. Because anyone can do this, including me. Now, here's how a One Verse Evangelism works. We just share one scripture. And that scripture is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in fact, if you want to memorize this and practice it and do it with people later, if you want to video this, you can feel free so you can replay it. Um, but here's how it works. We focus on these words first. For the wages of sin is death. Now here's where we find ourselves. With wages... Oh, this easel is not very easy. Sin and death. A wage, of course, is something that you earn. When you work, you get a wage. And when you sin, you get a wage too. Now our sin is all the bad things that we do to hurt our relationship with God and other people. In the name of selfish desire. And all of us know what it's like to be hurt by someone else's sin. But at the same time, we've also all sinned. And therefore, we have earned a wage. And that wage, according to the Bible, is death. Now, physical death is in the world. Disease is in the world. Crime is in the world because of sin. But ultimate death is separation from God now and forever. And that's what we've earned because of sin. But that's not where God wants us to be. Because the gift of God is eternal life. gift. Please, Jesus, hold this easel together. God, eternal life. I need the intercessors right now. This thing is coming apart. Somebody text Pastor Camille. Okay. This is where God wants us to be. He wants to give us a gift, and contrary to a wage, a gift is something that's given because the giver is good, and our giver is God, and the gift he wants to give us is eternal life, and it's not just a life that lasts forever, but it's a life that's good. 
It's a life that's free of sin and all of its consequences, like sickness, pain, and death. How many of you want to live that way? Who wants to live that way forever? But there's a problem. Because there's a gap between where we are and where God wants us to be. And we need somebody to fill in that gap. And that is where Jesus Christ comes into the picture. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he bridged the gap between where we are and where God wants us to be. And Jesus makes it possible for us when we follow him to receive the gift of God and receive eternal life as well. One verse of evangelism. It's on YouTube if you want to look that up later too. It's pretty simple. Everyone can do it because every member is a minister. Here's what we can conclude today. Ziki can start to come up. Now, everyone can do it. And if you're a believer, then everyone should do it. And not out of legalism or rules or compulsion. Because there's something there. Something there for us to find. A treasure, if you will. Because X marks the spot. When we make disciples, then we make a difference. And we make a difference when we make disciples. And this is a difference. This is an impact that lasts forever. You know, the book of Revelation is a glimpse at the end of time. And at the end of the book and at the end of the page, the chapters, here's where we find ourselves. Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. The Apostle John writes, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The former things will be gone. Death will die. Disease will be gone. Pain will be gone. But those aren't the only things that will be gone. Many of the things that we're tempted to live for in this life will also be gone. They are former things that will pass away. Before I walked with Jesus, I lived for achievement so that I could eventually get a good job and accumulate things. And I thought that maybe if I achieve enough and accumulate enough, people will approve of me. But what I found out was that there was never enough achievement. And there was never enough accumulation. And there was never enough approval. It wasn't good enough. And it wouldn't last long enough. Because all of those things that I achieved and accumulated and the approval that I gained, my experience of them would pass away whenever I did. And they were an insufficient purpose to live for. There's only one thing that we can take from this life into eternity. And that one thing is people. We're going to stand before God as the people that we've become over the course of our lives. And we'll answer to him not just for what we've done, but for who we've become and how far we've come in becoming like Jesus. 
we're also going to stand and live in eternity with the people who impacted us, the people who discipled us, the people we've never met, who set up a sign that showed me where the church was. We're also going to be in eternity forever with the people that we impact and with the disciples that we make. Living for this purpose is most rewarding because it is the most enduring. This purpose will never pass away. And this purpose is something that everyone can choose to participate in as long as you're a believer in Christ because every member is a minister. Can I pray for us this morning? Lord, thank you that you call your people into purpose in making a, dif a difference that lasts forever. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would urge us to take our place today in whatever way you're calling us to, in the variety of ways you're calling us to. Lord, bring your people into the game. Bring every member into your body. Help us to discover a purpose as we make disciples, as we make a difference in this world that lasts forever. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray against any fear that keeps us away, any condemnation that keeps us from starting. Lord, I pray that you would help us by your spirit to take the next step forward. And if that's you this morning and you feel like you're just not good enough, God makes us good enough. And you can take the next step forward with Jesus. For some of you, it's time to stop standing still. And it's time to stop stepping back. And it's time to take the next step forward with Christ. So whatever that looks like for you, then by the grace of God, which is bigger than our past, bigger than our sin, and bigger than our shame, place your faith in Christ and take the next step forward. He's calling you. Because you are a minister by the grace of God. Thank you, Lord.